Hey, podcast listener. If this is your first time here, welcome to the Eat Half, Walk Double podcast, coming to you from the Ascend Endurance Coaching Studios here in beautiful Stratford, New Hampshire, US of A. I'm your host, Chris Dunn. If you've listened to the show before, well, hey, welcome back. So this show chronicles my four decades in endurance sports as a coach, race director, and athlete told through the stories of the important, influential, and interesting people I've met along the way. While I catch up with friends, colleagues, rivals, clients, and the occasional family member, it's my hope you'll learn a little something about health, fitness, and the secrets to living well along the way. On this week's episode, I sit down with Turning Point Recovery Center Assistant Director Astrid Hoyt. She also happens to be an ultra-distance athlete. But it's her personal journey to and through sobriety that is an incredibly inspirational story of persistence, love, and a deeper understanding of self. Frankly, all things that as human beings we are striving to emulate, find, and experience. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Well, here she is, Astrid Hoyt. Astrid, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to spend time with you. It's been a long time. It has been a long time since you and I have had the opportunity to uh, to see each other and 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 spend a little time. Um, you know, I was I was trying to think back um, to. Um, and how you and I came to know each other. And, um, I, thankfully I, I save, um, uh, and may, maybe it's not thankfully because I've got an, I've got a, uh, a, an email storage box that's, that's bursting, but I, I, I save emails. <laughs> Me too. Um, I probably save too many emails, but sometimes, sometimes it actually works to my, to my benefit. Like in this case, when I was trying to, when I was trying to rack my brain, you know, how, how is it that that uh, you and I had had come to know each other? Uh, because I, you know, we we worked together for a short period of time, and, and as a as a coach athlete type of thing. Um, but I couldn't I couldn't re- exactly remember how that came to be until I until I opened up your initial email to me uh, back in the summer of 2017, and I I read your note to me, introducing yourself and and uh, and. Uh, describing to me how you came to know who I was. And mm-hmm. it was actually through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Heather Cody. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to maybe presume, and maybe it's presumptuous of me to do this, but I'm going to presume that you, uh, you came to know Heather through the Vermont 100. Is that true? Or did you, did you, did you come to know Heather in a different way? I came to know Heather through blogging. Uh, we, I think we had both started our running journey this time around about the same time in early 2012. And when I just made a decision to, wasn't even a decision, it was just a leap into running and immediately ultra running in my brain. And uh, I, I was looking for everything I could consume running related. And I came across Heather's blog when I started blogging about what that looked like and there she was. And so when she'd signed up for and talked about wanting to sign up for Pineland, I really dug in and was like, hey, that looks cool. And, and she has she has some similar energy to me. She's, she practices maximum enthusiasm. Thank you, Heather. 
she does she does for sure yes heather heather is a very good friend um and uh her journey has her journey through endurance sports has been an interesting one uh as well and it she's uh uh, she's always she, she's very open and uh, and and shares her experiences. So it's been it's been fun to follow follow her as well. Well, um, you know, as I was uh, as I was um, you know doing a little bit of of show prep and thinking, um, you know, how would I how would I introduce Astrid to a friend maybe that doesn't know you? Um, how would I how would I introduce her? How would oh, I describe uh, who who Astrid is to someone? that I know that, but that doesn't know you. And I, 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 I was thinking, um, well, she's an ultra distance runner, right? Um, she's, uh, now, uh, she's now a race director as well. Whoop, whoop. And, um, but, but, you know, but, um, but of those two things, and, and, and there are, there are many other things, of course, I'm sure that, 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 that define who you are, but those are the two things that, that, that come to mind right away. Um, but, it, but it's, um, but there's, there's perhaps something else that um, maybe you're, 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 you're equally proud of in terms of, uh, in terms of accomplishments, whether it's ultra distance racing accomplishments or accomplishments as a race director. And you've had, you've had your share of successes in both those arenas, but I suspect there's something that, um, that, that maybe you would describe as, uh, as being something that you, you're equally proud of. And, uh, and that's a, that's a, that's a, an anniversary that you celebrated this past May. Um, Aha. and, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share with, with the listener, what that, uh, what, what that, what I, I, I think if my math is correct, 14 year anniversary, How good. this past, uh, this past May, what, what was that anniversary? And, and am I right that you are as you are at least as proud of that anniversary as you are any athletic or race directing accomplishment you've had? Yes, I love how you put that. I, I was, I was grateful that you didn't mean the an anniversary of running away to Spain or something like that, which did happen in a minute in a May one year. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really blessed to have celebrated 14 years of sobriety. This go around. So you, in that social media uh, post that I, I happen to catch. Um, you, uh, you, you posted a photo of the coin, uh, if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. You know, um, and as part of the caption, um, you, uh, you used an acronym, uh, O D, uh, D, D O D A A T. Got it. You nailed it. Is that you right? O, o D A A T. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm not ashamed to say that I, I actually had to look that acronym up. Um, I, I, I should have I should have known what it was, but I, I actually had to to look it up. So what 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 does that what does that acronym what does what does it mean? And then what does it mean to you? Mm, awesome! I love that lead off. Uh, for me, it's I I got sober and I stay sober and clean through a twelve step program, and uh, it's it's not sanctioned by the program but folks in uh, my fellowship use the acronym as a sort of reminder one day at a time I don't have to do anything for my sobriety that doesn't like sorry let me rephrase that I can do a day 24 hours without a drink or a drug 
I can't guarantee that I'm not going to pick up a drink or a drug tomorrow. It, it keeps my feet in today. You know, I'm not in tomorrow. I'm not in yesterday. It, it, I think sometimes it's for me when I say ODAT or I hashtag ODAT on, on a post, it's, it's sort of a nod to the folks in the program that, that get it. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't have to yell from the rooftops that we're in an anonymous fellowship, but we can say, hey, yo, this, this, this thing over there, it gives me a life, a life beyond my wildest dreams and has allowed me to do stuff like chase a bunch of ultras and show up for life, be there for my husband and be a, a dog mom was um in this in this journey through sobriety um were there ever times in which it was one moment at a time absolutely is that is that part of the is that part of the the journey astrid sometimes i mean i i i totally understand i, yeah, I get no. the concept of one day at a time i mean mm -hmm. it's um, I mean, I, I talk about it with my athletes a lot, uh, oh, being, yeah? being present, uh, being, being in the moment, um, being, being in your shoes. Sometimes we talk about, mm -hmm. um, right. When our thoughts, particularly, you know, within, within, within the context of an ultra distance race, you know, how easy it is for your mind to wander oh, beyond the Do moment I? that you're in. Yeah. So we, so we don't, we don't, we don't specifically use the phrase one day at a time. We, you know, we, but we talk about being present and being in the moment. But, but, um, but, but were there times uh, through this journey through sobriety that you literally were one moment at a time, just get through this moment and then I can work on the next moment? Absolutely. Sometimes it, it happens at 14 years sober. It, it, it really happened for me about 11 years sober, just, just a second at a time. When I first came in, I, I couldn't stay away from a drink or a drug. I'll just say a drink for, for, brevity's sake I couldn't I couldn't be in my skin for a second at a time I, I I wasn't under I didn't understand how folks could sit in peace my skin felt like it was just I wanted to peel it off at all times and to be able to, to sit down long enough to at first for five minutes before I could escape for cigarettes and then and then last to the half hour mark in a meeting that was an accomplishment for me. I, I mean, I, I don't know how I held a job in the beginning of getting sober. There, there was a period of time where I didn't, I didn't work. I had the, I had an absolute gift of being able to do that, take a pause. And then when I'm not spiritually fit these days, that, that, that stuff's coming right back to me. I'm it's, it's still a work in progress. You know, this is sort of like, you know, hiking uphill in sand on some days when I when I'm when I'm not doing what I'm told. It's taking suggestions from other people. Yeah, and it, is it, it? I mean, to 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 really in a ham-handed way uh, use ultra running as an analogy, but please. Um, but 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 there is no there is no finish line to sobriety. Exactly. Correct. It is that is it you. Someone gave you a primer. <laughs> well, uh, well, un un unfortunately, like 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 most folks uh, in the United States, um, sobriety or sobriety, alcoholism has impacted uh, has impacted my my family uh, personally and, and very very deeply. So, um, I, again, I'm I'm not unusual in that in that in that Agreed. circumstance. Um, uh, and 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 again, I I I really said that in a in a in a very kind of uh, you know. Uh, ham-handed way I just kind of bumbling through it but um but but do you do you look at at at, at sobriety that way and, and, and that there isn't really a finish line that it is 
it, it is it is a it's an it's an eternal ultra distance event, so to speak. I might have said so early on that oh yeah I get that I get that it's it's a much more tangible piece of my recovery these days. In the beginning was oh I can't wait to have it thirty days I can't wait to have a month like, same thing I can't wait to have ninety days like you know like, I'll feel better when I get to I get to if only there was there was all these imagined finish lines and. I was always looking for some reachable plateau that I could um, to rest at. And it's easier to not feel like, and the same thing with the, with distance, with running. I, I, it's so much easier now for me emotionally, more emotionally than physically to, to imagine it as a sort of an ongoing one foot in front of the other to borrow another 12 step mm -hmm. phrase. <laughs> and that works perfectly with running. Sure. These two things really have been going hand in hand for me, and, you know, even on my worst days when I don't know a, a lick about moderation. I don't know if you can tell. I'm trying to really edit and clean up my language. I have a lot of F-bombs. <laughs> we, well, th th well, thankfully, there's, a, there's, a, there's an explicit switch that I can flip at the end of the podcast to, 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 to alert uh, yeah, the, the virgin ears to, gotcha. uh, yes, to... Uh, to profanity. So yeah, be, so be you, I guess right. is, is, is what I want you to be. Um, <laughs> let, 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 let me, let me, let me ask, a, let me ask another uh, question about, about your sobriety. Mm, please. Um, and, 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 and specifically, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull from that post because in that, in that same post in which you, um, in which you noted the date and, uh, and the, the acronym for one day at a time, um, you, you said, what a ride. And, the, and my presumption was, um, and, and maybe I'm way off on this, but, uh, but, but what a ride, um, referred to the last 14 years of sobriety. 100%. Um, okay. So, but he, but, but before I ask you about what the last 14 years have been like and, and, mm. and what you meant by, um, what a ride, what, what I'm curious about is, um, what was the day what was the day before you went to your first residential treatment program like what was the day before the first day you walked into a residential treatment program like? i mean i we're, we're going to talk about the last 14 years and i'm yeah i'm sure that's bring it there's going to be a lot of there there'll be a lot of uh, of smiles and probably some tribulations too but um but i guess what i'm curious about was what what, what more was bumbling day? yeah <laughs> What, what what was that day like? What was the what was the day like the day before you checked into that that residential treatment program for the first time in two thousand six? Like, yeah, you mentioned two thousand six. So if for if anybody was listening or regardless, to, it took me a couple of years in and out in and out of of looking to get sober that I didn't um, that I that I hadn't put any time to, significant time together. I had been working in a nightclub and uh, managing managing a, a big nightclub in Burlington, and I knew for a long time that what I was doing wasn't right. And that that day, that specific day, I finally picked up the phone and asked my family. If I, I reached out to my family for help, and that day in 2006, and I had already gotten married and 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 separated from a husband that um, has the same name as my current husband, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> I have a, 
I, I picked up the phone and asked for help and they said, we've been waiting for this day. I thought that I had them fooled. You know, I thought I had the whole world fooled and I was, you know, juggling all sorts of lies between this, that, and the other. And I wasn't intentionally looking to hurt anyone. I, I wanted to um, keep everything smooth and not make waves, but I also wanted to have a lot of fun. And I was putting a lot of, a, a lot of drugs in my body and how can, how can people not see, you know, I was able to mask it in, in a nightclub situation, but obviously not that well. I was completely falling apart and I'd given myself that summer to, to really explode. I left, I, I separated from that husband and it was just an excuse to, to really, you know, I deserve this. And that day I picked up the phone and called them. It was a lot of relief. And I went to treatment the next day and in Vermont and I, what's, I work in recovery now and I hear people come, they pick up the, when they, when they're finally looking for help, we, we meet people in an emergency room setting often and they're saying, I can't leave my work. I can't leave my family to do this. And you know, what I hear them saying and what they often come to later is I'm not worth getting help now. We'll do it later. And I, I can really relate to that feeling. I was really afraid to put anything hold. I, I'd been working so hard to hold everything together. And it was a lot of I, I, I. And I went to treatment. And I, I also wasn't quite ready to put it down yet. I, I was. I just wanted the pain to stop. And I had a little relief. And so I went right back to the thing that, to fast forward, you know, a couple of, I, I left treatment. I went back a few days later for a full 28 days. and. I went, you know, at that point, I went right back to, after a day, went right back to the drink and was completely baffled by the fact that I was drinking again. I thought, I, I got this, you know, and that, and that is, it's a dangerous place to be. But I also, I, I, I was really blessed to not, to kill myself in that process. What was the difference between um, your experience in 2008? Um, when you finally got mm. to the ongoing process of, of sobriety um, and those, you know, in those first, uh, those, those first three times um, through, uh, through the program, what was there? A, was there a, a switch that was flipped? Was there a, was yeah. there a mindset shift? Was there, yeah. was there a, was there a grazing rock bottom that, uh, <laughs> what, 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 what 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 was the what was the difference in 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 the experience or what was different about you? Such a good question, and it it was amazing to me. Absolutely, only my last drink in two thousand eight, May May sixteenth of two thousand eight. My last drink was completely unremarkable. It was a a a Bud Light can that I had stolen from some random house party. I'd ended up falling asleep at. You know, like woke up at like five thirty in the morning with this can of. I was like rummaging around for a beer before I'd hit the road. I was living over in Killington. And the only thing that was different was that I kept trying to smash this between 2006 and that last drink on May 16, 2008 was I had kept trying to smash a square peg in a round hole, expecting different results. And all I got was dead ends, dead ends, dead ends with my drinking and using in my thinking patterns. There was... I had been start going to meetings on and off during uh, pretty much consistently through that time of, of relapsing. I even put, I even had a year at one point um, 
with the intention of picking up a drink again. Like I, I this was temporary. I was going to go back to it. I did because I didn't know how to do anything else. Treating the treating my disease with alcohol. When I picked up that beer, when I cracked it in the car, I knew the gig was up. It it wasn't fixing what I wanted fixed. That sip in the car ride was the same results I'd been getting. And I'd heard enough meetings that you do what you always do, you're going to get what you've always gotten. And it sank in. And I was like, I didn't even finish that beer. I brought it to my place and brought Vegas and poured it down the drain. It was the first beer in my life I'd ever poured down the drain. I don't even know why I brought it inside, but I think there was I think there was some recognition that this this was something had to change. I didn't know it was going to be the last one. I probably would have picked a better alcohol <laughs> for my last drink, but I I I was I was a garbage pail. I mean, my god, I, I when I talked to you once before, I I was I had a lot of pride that I just kept putting PBR and box wine to my head when I was 20 years ago when I was living in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about that too in a moment because I, because that experience in Tahoe was an interesting intersection between um, what eventually would be your sobriety and ultra running. We'll we'll go back, we'll go back to that in just a moment. Um, Well, to, um, to, to, to pick up on, to pick up on that, that last sentiment. um, So, so, so this is now your profession too. I mean, not, not only is it, it is it, not only is it your life is sobriety, your life, but it's also your profession now. Yeah. Uh, and that, and that you help to mentor and to lead, uh, and to guide and to assist, um, others, uh, in their journey through sobriety. Um, so with, with your experience, uh, sort of being a, uh, a, a three-time dropout, fourth time was a charm. Uh, through, <laughs> yeah, that's a great way. To that, that's an it. awful, that's an awful way. to. I love it. it. But you, you told me before the show that I, I couldn't say anything to offend you. So not that I'm intentionally trying to <laughs> do that. Bring but... in the humor. Seriously. This is, a, so, <laughs> this is a ride. I'm telling you. So with, with, with that experience, uh, and I, you'll tell me, but I, my presumption is that, um, is that that experience is probably the rule rather than the norm when it comes to uh, when it comes to sobriety that it you know it, it sometimes takes a couple times through uh, through treatment to kind of get it. Um, how do you how do you counsel people now that are going through the same thing that you experienced with res- with, 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 with with in this respect and that is you know they've been through treatment before. Astra, I've, I've, I've done this before. It, it, it hasn't worked. In fact, I've done it three times before yeah. and, it, and it hasn't worked. I've continued to go back to drinking. So what, how is it now that you can help me when, when the last three times it, it just hasn't stuck? How do, you, how do you respond to that? I have this amazing, amazing position in the work that I do to be a hope dealer. There is nothing but hope that if somebody thought that I was worth it and that I could change, there were people that kept putting out their hands that said, you know, for for my fellowship, it was keep coming back. Uh, For the work I do, it's not, it's recovery coaching is, is, we we practice motivational interviewing. We really listen to people and, and, and walk alongside them and, Remind them that 
I'll, I'm trying to pick my words carefully because a lot of the work we I do uh, in here in Southern Vermont is, is around um, folks who who use uh, substances, and this is a more fatal piece of the disease. And I, and I don't need to get in the weeds with this, but I'm trying to be really, I'm not encouraging relapse because that isn't everybody's journey. Like to come back to your question, do I want to stay stuck in the problem or do I want to work on the solution? The solution is get back out there and, and try again, try again with the recovery and not to do it, not to try to do it alone, because that's that worked for me, and and I and I get to make suggestions about it at work, as opposed to, I don't point fingers and I don't tell people, you must do this. It's a it I think it's a it's a much softer approach than somebody who is do, getting getting sober through the twelve steps, and from it doesn't have to be one or the other. Recovery coaching can work with folks who are also working a 12-step program this is this is just about coming alongside people and encouraging them in their journey whatever that looks like well i i would imagine that it's um it's it's probably fairly common in in your work for um for, for folks to say that they've you know that they've they've done it and they've tried it and it it, it hasn't worked but um yeah yep right but 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 being there to 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 walk alongside them metaphorically, right? In, yes. In their own. Yeah. Journey. Because it, uh, you know, I, I again to to sort of awkwardly use the ultra distance analogy. Please. How many? I, love I, mean, it. I mean, how many times? How many times in a race? You know, it's it's middle of the night and it's late in the race, and you're just not sure that you can that you can go another step. You just can't imagine how you're going to be able to continue. And out of the darkness, somebody walks up alongside of you, or you walk up alongside someone else. That's that. That I mean, truthfully, is going through a very similar experience. Hugely. Um, and um, uh, but but just having so just knowing that someone else is is there with you. That's 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 going through it with you. That you're not going through it alone. Uh, how often does that does that does that lift not only your spirit but likely lift their spirit? And next thing you know, the two of you have covered a significant amount of ground where you thought just a few minutes earlier before the encounter you weren't going to be able to take another step. Oh my gosh! I have met and I found myself extroverted for the first time in race going to races and meeting people, and then you know the enthusiasm I had. Finally, meet Heather Cody. That, and it didn't have to be people in sobriety. That just, oh my gosh, I feed off that kind of community for for um, for addiction and and active use. It's it's a disease of isolation, and I really feel like ultra running is it's a community effort. Like being for me, I call it sobriety recovery whatever somebody wants to call it. There's a few different words that are, some are acceptable addiction. I think some folks are having a harder time with the word, but it's semantics, like call it, call it what you want to call it. I love for the first time in my life to have community. I'm starting to embrace that. And, and I don't know anybody in recovery, whatever we're going to call it, that doesn't ultimately find that community is the strength that we share. It, 
what is that? What's the popular um, phrase that's going around? Um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I feel like that works so beautifully for uh, running and recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but particularly as it relates to ultra distance uh, hugely running for sure. Um, well, so when you said what a ride, and again, I presume that you were talking about the last 14 years uh, of mm -hmm. sobriety. Uh, what, 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 what did you mean? What's the, what's the, what's the backstory to that very short, but, uh, uh, but powerful statement? <laughs> uh, you give me a lot of credit. <laughs> and I think it was in whimsy and, it, and then closer inspection, I'm thinking about my sponsor, has me do a gratitude list every night and I'd never had to do one um, actively. And she's got me doing, it's been like five months of every night, 10 things. I'm finally at that point where I can start listing the things that suck, things that I don't like. Okay. I'm grateful for those two. And thinking about the ups and downs of any, let's say it's a carnival ride. I'm not I, I, I aspire to get back on a mountain bike someday, but okay. So it's like, it's mountain biking, you know, there's some work in there and there's some great downhills and boy, we love those downhills, right? <laughs> you don't have to battle. Oh gosh. <laughs> and then running. Oh, sweet, sweet downhills. <laughs> I'm drooling a little. I, I was thinking about, and especially now I'm thinking about the, uh, the ride of that and embracing, embracing the work and the people that, there, there. I feel like there's people that are kind of pushing me out of my comfort zone without knowing it. Can I, can I share a small story? Please. I had a, a job, my last production, my art, last art world job, uh, four years ago, a little over four and a half years ago, was with a. It was in a place that I, I really felt like I just didn't fit. I was like, you know, going back to that, I'm practicing maximum enthusiasm, being Astrid. I talk about my running. They think I'm an effing whack job. I get side looks. They're not meeting me with my jokes. The work, more importantly, the work wasn't feeding me. And without saying it, they knew it. They loved their work and I didn't love it. I feel like for me, it was a higher power that was saying, this is not where you belong. And we were button heads. And I don't love, I hate confrontation. I really, really hate confrontation. I'm working on it, but I hate it. So what HP was doing for me was getting me out of that and allowing the the unknown to happen. Sorry, the unknown for me was really frightening. And, and there was an opportunity for, Mary, for me to, to move into the work I'm doing now. And that was a big, scary leap. And Shoot, I, I'm really glad now on that portion of the ride piece of this to be to see it on the on the backside of this because those uphill parts of my life, you know, those those work conflicts or you know those big changes are so challenging. Mm. It's it, it's funny how those things work from time to time. You know, in in the in the moment, it feels like a very negative experience, and perhaps Hugely. it is a very negative experience uh, emotionally. Um, but, uh, but oftentimes those, those experiences result in, uh, in, in new wonderful opportunities presenting themselves to you and, uh, and, and perhaps sort of pushing you toward that inevitability, um, in a, in a much more advanced time frame, right. Rather than just sort of being stuck in this kind of spinning your wheels, not really doing work that's, that's fulfilling, um, or that's, uh, or, or that's sustainable, 
um, uh, th that interaction, you know, moved you in, in, in a much more accelerated timetable. Um, well, you, you said it way better than I did. Yeah. Um, well, I, <laughs> I, perhaps it's because I, 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 I had the, the, the exact same experience, uh, four years ago when I, I left my, uh, my clinical job finally at the end of 2017 to start my mm -hmm. own, to start my own business. So I, um, I, I was, the plan was to stay in that job another five years until mm -hmm. my youngest was out of college, but I was, I was just in a, uh, in a, in a situation that was untenable for me and, uh, just decided to quit. I decided to, to just leave and, 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 and start out on my own. And it was, it ended up being the best decision I could have made. And, and I'm, um, I was, I was bitter in, in, in the moment because I felt like I wasn't being respected and, and how, how could they do this to me after putting 20 years of service in, how could they treat me this way? Truth is they were treating me that way because I was, I, because I, that's what I was giving them. I was, I was, I was giving them a reason to treat me that way because I wasn't being a very good employee. I, um, what is it? What, what's the, what's the, the new fangled expression, silent quitting. Um, I was sort of giving up that's and, funny. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, I wanted them to fire me, even though I, I, I would, I said out loud, I, they better not fire me, but I kind of wanted them to. Um, uh, and, but, but in hindsight, uh, I'm grateful for them because they, they pushed me into, into self-employment. It's been incredibly rewarding, but, um, <laughs> enough about totally, me. Totally so relate to this experience. And I'm, I'm not a hundred percent there with the gratitude. I'm, I'm, tr I'm working at it <laughs> with, with, the, with the former bosses. It was three and a half years ago, but still, that's a long time to still not be like a hundred percent with them. <laughs> still owe them an amends. Cause I, I guess I was a silent quitter. <laughs> Well, I, I was for sure. I, I mean, I, you, it sounds like you and I both were before it was actually a thing. Um, <laughs> Trendsetters here. Totally, I totally get it. Um, so I, I, I want to, I want to, I want to double back for a moment, and because um, I, I alluded to it earlier, um, I want to, I want to double back to this, um, this, this interesting intersection between, um, between your, um, your, your you know, your sobriety, um, your, your, your drug and alcohol abuse, um, and ultra running, uh, when you were living in, in Lake Tahoe, you said to me, um, uh, in some, uh, in some, uh, pre-interview prep stuff that you sent, you, um, you, you passed along, you passed along this, uh, um, this story that, that when you were living and working in Lake Tahoe, that you would, you would pass the bronze plaque for Western States 100. Now, I, I, I believe you're talking about the start plaque. Is that the plaque that says start yeah, on it? At okay, the so former squad, it's a, I guess Olympic Valley now. Okay. The base there is the, the bronze plaque. Got it. But it's very the very famous this very famous Western States bronze plaque. So, so, uh, so when you again you, when you were living and working in Tahoe, each day you you pass the bronze plaque uh, with a PBR. For two seasons, two two and a half seasons in two and a half seasons. Yes, uh, with a, a PBR that that's a Pabst Blue Ribbon for those who <laughs> are not we're not in the know. Um, so with with a, with a PBR can in hand, you said you would pass that bronze that bronze plaque that Western States 100 bronze plaque um, on your way to go teach snowboarding. At that time, on the two, way to check in. 
two seasons for lineup. Yep. And you you said that you you made it a tradition to cheers the sign with your beer can. Now, yep. In in parentheses, you 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 wanted to make sure that I knew that that, that was at eight thirty a.m. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um. So. <laughs> Did, did you what okay i mean that's it's not funny it's it's incredibly sad but it's but it's but it's but it's part oh, I of think your it's hilarious now well okay but if you then if you think it's hilarious then i i i, I still think it's a little sad but it but it's it, it, <laughs> I nevertheless don't it's, it a, in others. <laughs> it's an incredibly interesting part of the story because mm. because there is this this intersection right between that 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 previous version of you that astrid 1.0 and uh and ultra running but this was before, and, and it well, this was at a time in your life in which uh, running was not part of your life. It, you had been a runner as as a youth. Yeah. You had you you had um you had you had you had dabbled in running um yeah. because of, I think because of your mom. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um. Uh. And and but you were but you ran for fitness mostly. Uh. You ran for act. Running was an activity. Uh, it, that's an accurate description yeah during that during that period of time um but then you, you fell out of favor with running uh during this these lake tahoe years is that safe to say oh, way more glorious pastimes than running yes uh, okay so <laughs> um so but <laughs> <laughs> well at at so at that time um were you aware of what western states 100 was mm -hmm. i mean did, did, were i mean were you tuned into the you weren't you weren't running so obviously you weren't doing ultra distance racing, but, but, how, so, but how tuned into ultra running were you at that time? Did you know about it? And, mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah. And what, what did, what was your understanding of it? And what, what, what was your thought? What were your thoughts about it at that time? <laughs> <laughs> nice work. If you can get it, I guess that was, uh, I, it seemed hilarious. My, my folks were, my mom and my adoptive dad were, um, marathoners and I, I really aspired to, I, I, I admired that they could do this. It didn't seem like I was running half marathons in high school and occasionally I probably did five of them and, and would run five K's, but I, it was such a slog. I, I really, I've, how do people enjoy this? Like, ooh. we, we, uh, when I, I moved from New York city to Vermont to my senior year of high school, we, we ended up crewing. Um, well, I wasn't really crewing. I was kind of just hanging out. Uh, my folks were crewing and pacing a guy at the Vermont 100 in 1991, the year I graduated high school, that summer after. And I was happy to tag along. And remember, I had this very clear image of being at Bill's Barn. And it was, it's still a, an aid station uh, along the Vermont 100 course. It's a mile 89, I believe, 88. And I thought, well, these folks, they, they look a little different than the runners I know from the marathon world and from the hashers, the expat group that in New York City that we were running with. I mean, I was way younger than everybody else there. The I was surprised at the different body types that were at ultras and that people who did this all night long, like what a bunch of coop jobs, whack jobs, like this is awesome, but not ever anything I could do. And I just, uh, running was still so elusive to me, that enjoyment piece, it's, I would wanna do that all night long. And I filed that away under, cool, okay, whatever, not for me. And 
I had noticed my behavior in Tahoe. And granted, I lived in Tahoe from 1999 to 2003. So this was over 20 years ago. I think the drinking culture was was a little bit different. The acceptability that maybe with the shit that I was getting away with then, you know, showing up. I wasn't showing up to ski school lineup with a beer in hand, but I would go hide on a chairlift by myself, passing that sign, choosing that sign going, something is not right about this. But I live, I'm a ski bum. I, I bartend at night and teach snowboarding by day. Nobody cares how I'm drinking. Everybody else is doing this too. That, but it was the people I was surrounding myself with. I knew that it was, it was a little hinky, but I also, I was like, I need the beer this morning. I kept a PBR 12 pack in my ski school locker. Um, yeah. You, you, you only live once, right? The, the, that old expression that, uh, that the youth tend to live by, right? Um, and what, and well-behaved women rarely make history was also really important to me. So I, I wanted to live a life of, um, that someone might write about. I wasn't going to enjoy it, but someone was going to remember me. So I wanted to be this badass, whatever that looked like, snowboarding chick who lived out there by herself, drinking PBRs and ripping up 100-day seasons and, and drinking as hard as any guy I knew. Um, turns out that was not a sustainable lifestyle. Turns uh, out. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, um, I had some epic snowboarding. I mean, my God. <laughs> I thought, well... Somebody will write about that too, right? Like maybe it'll be me. <laughs> if I can get my shit together. I wasn't doing. I wasn't doing anything worth having. I was just, I was just being a bum. You, you were, you, you were, you were existing. You were, you were probably living moment to moment, uh, uh, ski run to ski run. Uh, one, one some horrible one, hangovers. One some... beer at a time. Right? Oh God. Um, so I'm sick a lot. <laughs> but well, but. Between between the altitude and and the and the alcohol, um, yeah, it, it probably, the gambling in Reno, <laughs> it, yeah, it, none of those things were ended up being a great combination. Um, after so you, your 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 present running um, life uh, as you know and enjoy it now. Um, Started in 2010. Uh, you told an interesting story to me about, um, I, I think it was 2000, 2010. 12 was uh, the start of running this time around, if that's. Two, 2000, 2012. But what was it? Was it in, was it in 2010? Was it two years after you, you got sober that you told me that you had, you had put on a considerable amount of weight? Oh yeah. And that like um, fast. Yeah. And that um when uh when when you took Aggie Dog, your uh your 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 recently uh departed beloved Aggie. Yeah. Um Aggie just recently passed away, I, I saw. Um at sixteen. At sixteen years of years of age. Uh Aggie lived a long, active doggy life, right? She um, was the, uh, the, uh, she was always the focus of my social media. <laughs> you didn't need to see me. You got to see her. Right, rightly so. But, um, but, but, but there was a time shortly after you got sober and you 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 had put on you had put on a considerable amount of weight that uh, you took Aggie to the vet and the vet told you that Aggie was overweight. Yeah, right. Broke yep. the news. Broke the news to you. Oh that, my god. Uh, that Aggie dog was uh, was <laughs> was overweight. So you said 
you said in 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 tears the very next day that you and Aggie hit the trails mm -hmm. and that you would you, you ran your first mile in in over five years you said uh, uh -huh. um <laughs> uh, and 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 what i found was interesting was 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 this comment you said that uh that it was during that mile that you declared that you that you <laughs> that you loved running and that you would run a hundred miler. Now, I, 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 I when I first nothing read in it, moderation I, that I like. What, 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 true, right? When I when I first read it, I kind of I kind of read it as well. Maybe that's a tongue in cheek comment that like yeah yay running that this is wonderful because as anyone knows who is, who's had to take time off from running, maybe not five years off from running, but anyone that anyone that's have to, has had to take considerable amount of time off of running, running is hard when you haven't done it in a while, when, when you're starting back up. And it's, it's particularly hard when you've, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're slightly over your recommended body mass index. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so, so was that a forced declaration of your love of trail running or did, or it was a hundred percent genuine. It's funny you asked. I, it was one of them. So it was, it, it had been a couple of years smashing around sober and putting on that weight. And then uh, Johnny and I met and he loved me heavy and God bless him. And not, not that I was unlovable. I just didn't love what I looked like. And I was all chest <laughs> and I didn't care that I was overweight necessarily to make any changes until the vet had had gave me the blow that yeah you're you're also making your dog overweight by she had come to us as a three and a half year old and she hadn't been overweight and so I had probably given her bites of my two whoopie pie a day habit and <laughs> that you know I wasn't drinking but I, I wasn't I was substituting it for other behaviors and here comes this other behavior of this thing like oh I can throw myself 100% into this thing that wasn't I didn't have to I escaped to the woods I didn't want didn't want anybody to see me running I was I was really terrified of the way I looked heavy starting my uh, I, I had lost about 20 pounds and still knew that I had some work to do and but I didn't want to run around the block at 200 pounds like nobody was going to see me like that so I went to the woods I, I wanted to try Aggie off the leash it worked we we literally had probably want run I was just out tonight and I was looking uh, I was showing John where the spot was where I had made that declaration and it was half a mile <laughs> I had made that that hun that hundred mile declaration and, and I had been by myself at the time when that had originally happened. And I had said it out loud with, with all of the, the truth and, and, and just love that I thought, okay, I was always afraid of hard work. And this seemed like, I don't care what the hard work is. I'm throwing myself into this because I, I think I finally figured out, I was mentioning earlier, I didn't know where that joy was in running. And I had had this joyous smile of something that I could sink my teeth into. And I had tried before and I, I didn't know what it was supposed to look like. All I knew was that I wasn't, for me, an eight minute mile in cross country in high school was fast. So here I am, you know, trotting out, whatever it was, it was probably a 15 minute mile, you know, like a little bit of a, a big slog. And I felt like the most freedom I had felt in my sobriety. And here was Aggie who was also equally joyful. It turned out she loved running. And so half a mile in, we're, we're, we're all good to go. And, you know, let's start yesterday and get this journey going. What, what, what was there anything specifically about, 
about trail running. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying just trying to think of the contrasts between trail running and, and road running. I mean, yeah. those, those of us that run trails know what that understand, what the difference is between running on roads and running on trails, but, but perhaps for the listener that maybe just has only run on roads and never run on trails. Um, what, what, what's the difference for you? Uh, or, and what's maybe what's the difference now or, or what was the difference in that, in that, in that moment? Cause you had run on roads before. Yeah. Um, but, but so what, what was it about, what was it about, about trail running in that moment that it was this, there was this aha, this is, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be and doing what I'm supposed to be doing. What, what was it about trail running? Can you describe it? Yeah. Yeah. I love this so much. I love this being able to dive into this in my, in my thoughts and sharing it with you. Being on the trail, growing up in New York city. So I was right down in Manhattan in hell's kitchen. I never wanted to be in front of all those eyes. I hated it. I hated it. There were some selective moments that were wonderful and afforded me lots of great pizza and museums and all that crap. (sighs) Being on the trail, I got to be alone. I didn't have to worry about what I thought anybody was thinking about me. I had salamanders all over the place to look at. I didn't experience anything but a couple of breaths of absolutely having my skin fit and that a little bit of adrenaline from moving you know a little faster than (laughs) than the salamanders next to me and and noticing the wind and I, I really felt in tune with whatever was around me you know there was this I had like I felt like an open vessel without a whole bunch of in stimulus rushing in that I didn't want I didn't feel closed off. I, I really felt a lot of joy. My husband and I were talking about our dog now biting on the leash and holding the leash when he runs with us. And and I and I we, we agree to disagree that I love it because he's so experiencing so much joy. And and Johnny says it's not safe for him to do that. Well, whatever. It it was that same thing in the woods. I just felt so at peace and. Uh, I'm hoping I didn't get off track. <laughs> the question was, I just no, really, no, and falling in love, back in love with the trails with our new dog. And I, I had kind of fallen out of love for a little while. So I'm having a, an absolute renaissance with the trail running. Well, I think, I think as human beings, we, we have a natural inclination to have a deep connection to nature. Unfortunately, <clears throat> I would, would imagine for most of the, <clears throat> most of the world's population, that's just, it's not possible. Um, for them, for them to, to, to do that. <clears throat> and so, uh, as trail runners, when, when we get the opportunity to have that deep connection with nature, it's, it, I mean, it, maybe it's, um, uh, maybe it's hyperbole to say that it's, that it's a spiritual connection, but I, 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 yeah, I feel like I on feel some that. level, there's a, there's a deep spiritual connection to, to nature that we feel, uh, as, as trail runners. It, and it, it, it's, it, it's interesting that you brought up the, the point about, um, not having eyes on you. Um, because I, you know, I, I wonder how many, I wonder how many, I wonder how many people feel that way. I suspect there probably are a, a lot more people that feel that way than don't, uh, that are just self-conscious, uh, not comfortable in their own skin, not comfortable in their own being. And, um, you know, the fact running is an awkward looking thing anyway. And so when we're not, when we're not comfortable with how, 
when we're not comfortable with how we look and then we do something that just looks like like really awkward um it, it we it 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 probably makes folks feel even more self-conscious than they already are but 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 you make a really good point about about trail running and sort of removing all that because there's there aren't any eyes on you really when you're trail running it's usually just you and and nature and and uh and you can let go of that right you can let you can let go of that self-consciousness um i'll say get, that oh go ahead i'm sorry no i was just i, I just i think that's a is a fascinating element to it i i like attention when i have requested it <laughs> if that makes sense yeah. I, I grew up as a model in new york city i'm giant I'm six foot tall, and then you put some hokas on me, and I am like six three, right? <laughs> you are, yes. That's true. <laughs> I don't worry about my safety in the woods. I, I, I think I take that for granted. <laughs> Obviously, I'm enjoying myself on this. Like this is this is good attention. <laughs> when I first started running, I felt like this giant, like jolly green giant who wasn't so jolly. You know, and you you throw me in like a little rural town in Vermont, and I'm like, oh god, you know, in my pea brain, I'm like, okay, everybody's looking at me and telling me like, well, that Claude, she she runs like she's doing the Elaine dance, and I was just, I was terrified. So, and I really, it it forced me into this place that ended up just giving me the perfect fit. And Aggie and I would go smash around in the woods, getting caught up by sawgrass and all the bramble, looking for trails for the first couple of years. I mean, we we were kids together. Yeah, just just that that exploration just uh, it conjures up uh, just unbridled joy. I, I, it, that's it. And I think, again, as 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 uh, trail runners, I think we can I think we can all relate to that. Um, well. Since since 2012, so it's been it's been about a well, it's been about a decade now, right? Since 2012, it has, yeah. You got, back, you got back into running. Um, you've um, well, you you, uh, you the hundred mile distance for you has been a little bit like uh, a little bit. It's been a little bit like uh, your Moby Dick. Uh, it's right? true. Yeah. It's perfect um, characterization. Right. Um, you're you, you're Captain Ahab and and uh, and that oh God, hundred mile so finish great. Is, is your is your Moby Dick. I'm 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 hopeful that you, you don't mind for a few minutes talking a little bit about uh, that that journey. So, but just to just to preface. The, the, this conversation about uh, about the elusive hundred mile finish. You're not new to ultra distance racing, e even though the hundred mile finish has 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 eluded you. Um, you've I mean you've done more than you've done more than thirty five ultras in the last uh, in the last uh, ten years, and uh, actually the last nine years because you didn't you didn't race in two thousand twenty one. So even though it's been calendar 10 years you, you missed a year uh, oh actually yeah. you know what i did tell you that and then i realized that i was and had another 100 mile dnf i forgot it's at the bottom with, okay. <laughs> with yeti so i did do it i i, I i'm sorry you, I, you had one so you had one race in 2020 right. okay well but but that but that what but that one race actually kind of that that, that works as, as part of this conversation about about the the elusive 100 mile finish so hugely but, 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 but the point is that you're 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 not you're not new to ultra distance racing and yet and yet the 100 mile distance um has eluded you and in 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 our brief work together uh uh, that was one of the things that we worked on. We worked on trying to get you a hundred mile finish and it, yeah. it didn't pan out for you. Um, I think, was that the CNO canal, uh, hundred miler? 
Was that was that the one that you that you trained for when when we worked together? Gosh, that must have been you. I bet you remember better than I do. Uh, but I, I'd like you to call me Captain. <laughs> Captain Ahab. I will call you Captain now for the for, for the for the rest of for the rest of this podcast. Um, so, Captain, as you as you as you as you think about. As you think about this uh, this elusive hundred mile uh, distance, um, yeah. So, what 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 are some of the what are some of the, the the first thoughts that come to mind for you? What 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 has this what has this search uh, for you uh, been like? And 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 uh, and and why is it that you haven't given up on that quest and, mm. and gone on to something else? It's the first thing I've been so stubborn about. That's been so much work. I'm not sure, except that maybe it's a little bit of pride. Um, I've I've walked away from all sorts of things that I've started. There's been a lot in my life that I I sort of followed through with, uh, you know, before I got sober. It's a hell of a community. I really, I mentioned before that I've always I've always wanted to do things. I thought that it meant that I had to, I thought I was supposed to soldier on through stuff that sucked um, or things that were challenging. And and I just kept walking away and uh, it turning out, turns out that I get to do this with other, the help of other folks, you know, I get to do the training on my own and I really enjoy that piece of it. Just throwing on some headphones, listening to a podcast or a book and putting down some, some, some miles and, I, I'm not sure what why this rabbit has stuck. Why why I, to mix a couple of metaphors? What has been so special about this this piece other than the community of ultra running? I, so I have I have um, this beautiful marriage is a result of the pandemic online of a twelve step community that has incorporates. We got to slice the pie even thinner to ultra runners and recovery. And I, I can uh, I can share that with anyone that was interested in coming to that meeting. It's a Sunday night meeting. My sponsor, who I've gotten through that meeting, she's run twenty six hundred milers. Like she has the same isms that I have to a T, and we we don't we don't even talk about our running when we work when we talk together. She's the most. She's so dogged about her training. I I, I really admire that. And me, I kind of like I poke at it. <laughs> But I, I feel like more of a, I feel like more of a workhorse than I ever have with anything. I, I am amazed that I keep putting putting work into this. Not really sure. Grateful, absolutely grateful. I, okay, so I'm recentering. I, I really want to finish. I really want to see if I can do this. This is really important to me. Um, Part of me is like, well, what happens once I cross the finish line? Am I going to want it? Like, who cares? I want the pride of knowing that I could do this. It's it's really important to me in my journey. And I, it, I've told the lied seven times with 100 milers with, with sufficient training most of the time. I think there's some pieces that I could have strengthened. I finally was willing to, to work with P, a PT person this year, and that's been a really big deal. I have um, I have some deformity in my feet. I didn't realize that 
there were some simple fixes, which has given me some relief with my hip pain, which always took me out for about the um, about the hundred k mark. My TFL and was like doing all the work. It's been really relief. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know if this is the fix either. Like, boy, I'm finding a hundred miler for next year um, to dive back into. Do you do you feel like do you feel like you need a hundred mile finish? Mm-hmm. In order to feel validated in the ultra running space, mm, God, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. Yes, yes, I do, and that's just me. That's just for me. That's just for me. I, I, I'm lucky to have had a bunch of ultra finishes, and I get to be a part of this community because I say I am. But deep down inside, yes. I set myself up with that goal in that first stupid half mile that this was what I was going to do. <laughs> well, yeah. So, and that's an interesting context to this as well, because, um, because this, this eternal hunt for the hundred mile finish really for you is about unfinished business. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, it's about, um, it's about integrity. It's mm-hmm. about finishing what you said that you were going to do and finishing what you, what you, what you set out to do. Um, and I, I, I think that part of it is, I think, I think that's a unique part of it. I think a lot of ultra distance runners um, are looking for validation. Mm. I think most, I think most runners are looking for some, some external validation to feel as though they finally fit in the community. Not that you, not that you feel as though you're an outsider, and not that you have mm. imposter syndrome, but there's a there's an element of that. Heck I yeah, think, I think for most, for most ultra distance uh, athletes, uh, I mean, you've been around enough ultra distance athletes. Um, I'm sure you, I'm sure you have a, a handful of ultra distance athletes that you look up to that are that are uh, sure inspirational do. for you. Um, and, I fangirled big time too. Yeah, and 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 I mean it's. A, a big a, a big part of that is is their accomplishments, right? Um, because I suspect if you know if 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 some of these more well known um, ultra distance athletes, um, you know, were not finishing races, you, we wouldn't know about them, mm-hmm. right? Um, although I, I although I suspect you probably have there probably are as many ordinary folks that do ultras that you look up to and you find sources of inspiration than, than the famous ones that we would sure do you know, that, that have a check next to their name on, on Twitter, for instance. Um, yet I, yet I, 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 I do feel like it, there is this, at least part of it is this, this search for, for external validation. Um, um, I didn't know I was going to feel so, uh, this, I, I have some thinking to do after this podcast. <laughs> some of these hidden things that I hadn't expected to uh, come clean about, and also to know that it's this is totally normal. It's um, <laughs> w- well, this podcast is a journey as well. It's a it, it it's it's an exploration in, into some of these topics, and and uh, truthfully, the listener sort of you know comes along with us uh, in this exploration too. Um, you know the the other thing that uh, that that comes to mind uh, for me when I uh, you know when I I, I think about um, these these elusive distances is that 
Um, I mean, how often, how often does it happen that, um, you know, that we, that, that we, we chase something for so long that when we finally achieve it, mm-hmm. um, our expectation is, is that when we, you know, when we finally get that finishers medal hung around our neck and, and, uh, and we can finally check that box that we are a fill in the blank mile finisher that we expect to feel well, uh, w- whether, whether it's, whether it's implicit or explicit, the expectation is that we're going to, we're going to feel a tremendous amount of joy and satisfaction and, and feel like we finally arrived that, that all of the pieces of our lot li- our lives are going to just finally line up and that we're going to be whole and complete and happy and content. And the reality is for so many folks that those things are just, those things don't happen. And that, and that sometimes, sometimes, um, after the, this, this accomplishment that we've worked so hard for so long to achieve after the accomplishment, we, we feel surprisingly hollow and empty. And it, 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 the, 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 this promise of happiness that is just, it's, it's not, it's just not, it's not realized. Um, it sounds so much like what we were talking about earlier with, with me looking for that next marker of time in my sobriety where I, I was looking for that 30 day, that 90 day plateau where I could say, now I've, you know, I've reached this and I've arrived. And I, uh, I never thought I would fall out of love with ultra running either. And I had a season of that for a little while and it was scary because I didn't think that that would change. I mean, that's a different piece, but I, I really, uh, to, to go back to the, uh, at, at people I admire, I, I think about the start line for the Vermont 100 every year. I mean, I, I'm, in, I'm embedded in that race and I think about every one of those people who have put all that work into, and I, I the day before get bib pickup, I see them coming and I am like, I am excited for every one of those people and the journey they've been on. And it's really about the journey now. And I'm not wise. It, I just had enough time. I think now to understand that it's not so much about that hundred mile buckle that I'm going to F and get some of these, one of these days, but it, it, it is, it is much more about this time that I put in leading up to it. And I also, I bring up my sponsor earlier with all her finishes. Sometimes I want to tell her to f off. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't run as fast. I'm like, screw you. You have all these finishes under your belt. Stop pitching. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's also a common trap that we we tend to fall into mm-hmm. as endurance athletes too. Um, we, you know, when when we are when we're talking about our accomplishments for to to folks that aren't as accomplished, uh, who look up to us, uh, right? Um, uh, as, as role models for, for the way they want to be. And then, and then they, they hear us lamenting about not running a PR or, uh, uh, I mean, I, I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good reminder, uh, to, to us as well. Well, through, throughout, you know, these, these, um, these hundred mile experiences, undoubtedly you've learned some important lessons, um, from these experiences. I know that was, um, that was a big part of our work together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, um, in order to, in order to grow and develop as, as an athlete, we must be open to the lessons that these experiences teach. I mean, if these experiences are truly just about the finishes, then, um, then, then the potential for growth is really quite, 
quite minimal. I mean, we feel as though, you know, I've, I've attempted 700 mile races. So I, I, I must have grown and developed as an endurance athlete, but, but I don't think that's necessarily the case unless you've walked away from some important lessons learned from these experiences. So as you reflect back over the, over the, you know, the, these, the, the past seven attempts, um, what are, what are some things that come to mind? What are some, what are some valuable lessons that you learned either about yourself or you learned about, um, the hundred mile, uh, distance that, 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 that you draw upon in, 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 uh, you know, in the next experience, experience or, or, or lessons that other people could benefit from. Hmm. Hmm. don't do what I did. <laughs> I mean, seriously, have fun. This is such a funny, it's just a strange example. And it keeps coming up for me lately is the anxiety that I have at races has not gotten easier for, I think the stakes have been higher because I keep, you know, I keep showing up to start line after start line, like with the hundred mile distance, I'm like, oh man, am I going to get the same results this time? I'm not 100% sure where the anxiety comes from. Uh, if it's helpful to somebody, every time I start off the start line, it goes away. I've had full-on, full-blown panic attacks. I was at uh, Umstead 100 in North Carolina one year, and I, I looked at my husband and I said, I got to get out of here. It was like 20 minutes before the gun was going to go off. And I thought that I was going to pop. <laughs> it was, I had put in all the training. It was completely irrational. It felt like a phobia. Not, not a lot of uh, depth in, in what it was all about. Just that my body was saying, get out of here right now. And it, it, that some of that anxiety has shown up in the night before even now. And I think it just recognizing for me that, it's going to be a little bit different each time. So just don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to breathe, Astrid. And uh, nobody is going to stop loving you if you don't, if you DNF number eight, number nine. And nobody's going to love you anymore if you cross that 100-mile line either. It's mm, so true. For, for me, it's actually kind of, it's a little acrid to say that. Like, there's part of me that love me all because I am this accomplished 100-mile runner, finally. I think it's going to be pretty amazingly sweet. And believe me, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> but I also have to, you know, so some some work to do around, uh, like we talked about earlier, that external, that extrinsic motivation that's, uh, that I would like. Again, I think it, it it's just recognizing some of that small percentage that's still lingering because... Uh, I, I think the majority of it is around the intrinsic part of it, that really that internal, I finally, I finally did it. Cause I, I there, there's, there's some self-worth in my own self-worth that's wrapped up in, in completing the distance. I can show up to a 50 K without and, and a 50 miler without wanting to blow one and wanting to ditch out <laughs> but those hundred and those hundred K's I'm, I'm, I'm showing up with a panic attack and, and then just reminding myself it's okay. And it's going to be okay. And you're going to feel better mm. once you start moving. It's, 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 it's like the engine sort of mm. revving probably. Well, I, I don't think there's any question that, that, that movement physical activity has some, um, some soothing, calming. There's, I mean, there's a, 
there's really important and powerful biochemistry that that goes on once yeah. we start exercising um, that certainly can um, can can relieve some of that that pre-race anxiety. Well, let's let, let let's finish with this, uh, Astrid. I'm 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 eager to get your 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 take on 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 two things. Um, you know, again, you've you've you, you've you've had. Uh, um, you know, you've, you've, you've lived this life of sobriety, uh, and, and now professionally you've, you've made it your calling to assist other people in their journey as well. Um, and, and of course we, we just talked about your, um, you know, your, your passion uh, for ultra running. Um, what, what I'm, what I'm interested to know is, um, The two the two best pieces of advice that you uh, that you were given or you read um, first about sobriety and then and then the, the the best advice that you were given about ultra distance racing. Let's start with start with sobriety. What's the what's what's the best advice that you were ever that you ever heard or read or were or personally given about about sobriety? And I ask this because. Um, you know, as, as we talked about a little bit in the in the in the, the pre-interview, that undoubtedly there's at least one other person out there listening that's you know that's mm. that's where you were prior to 2008, and just they they have an innate sense that something's not right. They just don't know how to don't know how to get out of it. I don't know how to yeah. fix it. I don't know how to move forward. I I know what I'm doing is not right. I just don't know how to get out of it. So what's Hard to boil down mm. all of these years of, of sobriety and, sure. and, uh, and, and now you're calling professionally, but, uh, give me, give, give the listener and myself, a a pearl of wisdom. Haha. Boy, boy. Got a few, a few ideas mulling yeah. around. And again, I'm, I'm really gifted with being able to do this work. So it's sort of in the forefront of my, my mind all the time. I, I'm really lucky to be able to talk to people every day about what this looks like and you know being that hope dealer for me one of my biggest shifts was hearing from the literature that in my 12-step fellowship is i don't like people telling me to relax but in, in the literature it says relax and give ourselves a break um the hoop that we have to jump through is much wider than we think it is and that and, and that related to finding a, a higher power i also really like that because i think a lot for, for just for my running for my sobriety specifically here where we're talking about um i put a lot of pressure on myself to to get whatever it is right quote unquote whatever i'm diving into really get it whatever it is right and uh being just knowing that i didn't have to do this perfectly that it, it oh, was a real big exhale for me you know <laughs> to just sort of unwind that really wound up top that i that i could be that i can be today it gives me a lot of freedom to say huh okay all right all right all right that keeping it in the day has also been really really helpful to me and in, in all aspects of my life that and and knowing that if I wanted to ask somebody for help, if I want to ask somebody for help, I'm not bothering them. I got I got I got I got to got to give it away to keep it. I am serious about that. If somebody has questions, they're not bothering me. If they 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 private message me, reached out on Messenger, like what is this? There's 
I, it's not a bother. Where, where I feel I've come to find out that I'm worth it. And if someone curious, you, you are worth it too. I like the idea of um, focusing on progress rather than perfection. Huge. Talk about that a lot. I also like, like the analogy of not having to thread the needle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, how, how often does it happen that we get stuck in our, our current state of being because we, we just, feel like we can't thread the needle right now that we we just i cannot be precise right now and so uh you know rather uh rather than missing the target again to, to mix metaphors but rather than yeah rather than missing the target and 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 not succeeding i'll just i'll wait until tomorrow maybe tomorrow will be a day that i can thread the needle right and so but then, then tomorrow comes and and the situation is not any different and i i just stay stuck because i'm I'm focused on perfection rather than progress. So I, I like your idea of of that 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 concept of widening the hoop, uh, right? Expanding expand the circle. You don't have right. You don't have to thread the needle. Yeah. You you just have to you just have to move forward today from the spot that you're currently in. Is that is that a, is that a good way to look at it? I also heard, and this lines up really well, is move a muscle, change a thought. I had been frozen in fear a lot of my life to make any sort of even a smallest change. And when I would, I would say that in the early days so that I didn't stay frozen on the couch with my horrible neighborhood of a brain, you know, I was stuck in this bad neighborhood alone. And I literally would say that enough times to just get off the couch and go to the kitchen and, and the thought pattern would change. It, it didn't it, it didn't always stay changed very long, but I, at least I wasn't stuck in that frozen fear. Well, I, I, I do think that there's there's some actually some some really good evidence that suggests that um, there is a connection between movement and learning um, that um, uh, we, we 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 tend to learn some people. Uh, I would consider myself in that camp. We tend some people tend to learn more deeply when it's associated with movement. So I, I do think there's a connection between movement and learning. It may, it may not be exactly what you're talking about, but, but uh, <laughs> it, it is oftentimes I would imagine the steps toward sobriety are about uh, embracing new concepts. You gotta, you have to embrace a new way of thinking. Um, uh, right. And, and uh, it, it Sometimes in order to do that, you, 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 you have to get into, sometimes you have to literally get into action. So I, I think there's the I think there's a really interesting connection between movement, i.e. running and sobriety. Um, I mean, of course, it's as you know, it's not unusual for um, for uh, uh, folks in recovery uh, to 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 be involved in ultra distance racing. I mean, there there I mean, there's there's there, a big contingency of us. There's a, there's a lot of there there are a lot of those stories. Some of the stories are really well known. Other stories are not as well known. But there are a lot of people out there, um, uh, like uh, like you, that um, uh, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that they've swapped one addiction for another because I uh, I don't see. I mean, I don't. I, Sometimes I don't see running as an addiction. I mean, mm -hmm. I, 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 I think I think there 
there, there, the exercise addiction is a real, it's a, that is a real clinical mm-hmm. phenomena in which, in which, um, in which, in which the exercise habit becomes physically destructive. But I think, I think sometimes um, it's easy for the, uh, for the lay person or the, the individual that's not involved in the sport of ultra distance running to, to characterize ultra distance runners as being addicted to their sport in which, in which really what, what they are is committed to their sport and they're dedicated to their sport. And I think dedication and commitment is different than addiction. I think addiction is Mm. in my mind, addiction is, is, is a destructive mechanism. Uh, I'm not sure there's, there are many, there are many positive aspects of addiction. I, I, and please correct me if I'm, if I'm, if I'm wrong there in my thinking about, addiction largely being a negative phenomena um, yeah. uh, that that I think sometimes runners are characterized as being addicted to running yeah. and, 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 and maybe sometimes they are that literally it's a, it's a, it's an incredibly destructive behavior that's resulting in, in, uh, in significant health issues. But I think oftentimes what it is, is uh, folks that aren't into running, just don't understand the level of dedication and commitment that it, that it takes. So, um, but, but, but what is that connection between, between sobriety mm-hmm. and, and ultra distance, uh, racing? I guess that's my, that's my, that's my last question to you. Well, I, I did want to say that for me, if running, if I use running as an avoidance, I, it is a destructive habit. For me, I think you you nailed something and and are really onto something. Where we talk about it, we we sort of tongue in cheek talk about it as an addiction. It, it, it might be semantics, and I think that it's it, it's probably overcharacterizing it. For me, I have to really watch out for behaviors where I'm avoiding the parts of my life. You know, I don't know I don't know shit about balance. Balance is like trying to catch smoke for me. So so if I like something, that's what I want to do, and and I tend to I tend to go to it sounds so corny. I tend to go to extremes where I'm avoiding uh, pieces of my life because I like, well, I like this thing over here and I'm going to do that more and uh, I'll get to that other stuff. And and for me that I know where that gets me if I'm not conscious of it and keeping an eye on really being balanced, at least seeking some balance in my life doesn't mean I'm going to be balanced. Uh, that that That's for me is important. I think for people that don't have that kind of um, one is one is too many and a thousand is never enough kind of thing. Like, you know, if one mile is good, a thousand hundreds better, it might not be an issue for them. Like they don't, they don't need to seek balance and I, I don't have to be the arbiter of anybody else's conduct. For me, I need to be really careful about uh, how I structure my time or just at least an awareness that this, I, I trend toward, <laughs> not taking care of my family and my friends and uh, my, my other responsibilities when I like something and I'm, and I'm really leaning too much in that direction. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I talked about this in a, in a, in a previous podcast episode with another guest about balance and, and about uh, the myth of living a balanced mm. life. The truth is nothing is ever truly in balance. And in order for us to lead an extraordinary life, um, and a life in which we in, that that feels fulfilling, we 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 must attend to to four things. We must attend to um, our family, our friends, our uh, physical 
uh, mental, emotional, spiritual health, uh, and our integrity. Uh, now, there are times in our life in which one of those four elements just requires more attention. We, we yeah. have to give it more attention and focus. Um, you know, perhaps we've got something going on with our family and uh, all of the majority of our energy and focus and attention is rightfully directed at our family. Um, but as long as we stay in contact with the other three things, our friends, our health and our integrity, we can still feel fulfilled where we begin to feel really off kilter is when one of those four areas, be we, be we completely lose touch with it. And that's when we begin to really feel something is off. So I think it's, in I think it's entirely appropriate and it's reasonable um, for there to be periods of time in your life in which, in which the majority of your energy and attention is directed at one of those four things. So long, so long as, so long as the other three things are still, there's still contact with the other three things, right? And to, to your point, um, if you throw yourself so deeply into your, into your, into your running passion at the exclusion of your family and at the exclusion of your friends, and at the exclusion of up, upholding your own personal integrity, that's when things just start to not feel right. Uh, maybe you describe it as being out of balance, but for sure you feel that something is off. You don't feel like you're living the best version of your life that you should live at that moment. So I think I, I really think that's that's an important that's an important um, message for folks to hear too. That um, that that running can be something that that dominates your thoughts and consciousness from time to time. Um, but it can't be to the exclusion of the other three things that are important. Does that resonate with you at all? When you hugely, think hugely, I, I really need people for me. It's a sponsor that helps me keep an eye on those patterns. I don't, I'm not always the best judge of what's right for me. And I, I, <laughs> I proved that time and again, hitting all these jackpots in my life before I got sober. And it's really good for me to run by like, how, how, what do you think about this? How are these, how are these choices I'm making? And, and her to point out like, well, here's the pattern I'm seeing. Let's collect the evidence. Those are, um, that's really helpful for me. It doesn't always work that way. I did it. <laughs> I don't, I don't I always actively seek help. I think I, uh, I think that that's, a, those are on my best days. Have you, um, have you ever had the conversation with your sponsor about this, uh, this Captain Ahab Moby Dick analogy in this elusive hundred mile distance and, and why mm -hmm. it's important to you? It's funny. We have not, I think we, 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 we share injury and frustration with training occasionally, She's pretty strict with me about keeping it to the program. So uh, we <laughs> she lives in LA, which is kind of an unusual, although not so unusual during the, you know, with the onset of the pandemic to have these virtual relationships. But up until this point, my sponsor was an in-person person who, who it, it was so rare for somebody to understand anything about wanting to run let alone run a hundred miles so she's like yeah no big whoop like whatever great like tell me when you finish <laughs> she's excited for me <laughs> to do it someday i don't know if i answered the question yeah well you you you, you, you kind of did um 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I would think that your sobriety and your your passion for ultra distance racing is inex, in, in, inextricably linked. I I, I I I see a very distinct connection Huge. between those between those two things. Um, you know this 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 conversation about about sobriety and, and ultra distance racing, um, you know, has me thinking about um, uh, resources. Um, you know, if, 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 if someone's out there listening and, and thinks to themselves, you know, it's time for me to, to reach out and, and, and get help. I think you've, you've, you've talked about the, um, working to just working to overcome the stigma of, first of all, of, of addiction and secondly, yeah. the stigma of asking for help. Yeah. Um, what, what what resources are out there for uh, for folks maybe maybe generally and and more specifically here uh, in the New England region if if someone is looking for help if someone feels like it's time for them to talk to someone to get help where where, where do where would someone turn to to find help that's such an awesome question I'm so appreciate the opportunity to talk about that I think first and foremost so great that 988 is available now the uh the new uh the new resource for uh suicide uh, people to reach out if they're in in an acute situation 988 998 988 is the Sorry, new the new number i believe it's already active if somebody is having thoughts of self harm and if somebody's it, it, and and the uh, emergency department, the ED, the ER is also another place where people can get help. Like it, it, if something is, if you're scared, go get help. You don't have to do this alone. For us in Vermont, we are really blessed to have a network of recovery centers uh, called the Turning Point Network. There's 12 autonomous centers here in Vermont. You can Google Turning Point. Uh, in, in other states, there are recovery centers. You could probably Google help for, for drinking help for using and see what results pop up. You are also welcome to reach out to me on social media, Astrid Hoyt. There are resources out there. There are, it's a little bit unique for each state. Um, I don't know what the network is in New Hampshire, um, but there are recovery centers and different, there's, there's different pathways to recovery. For me, it was calling, uh, I use it. I use AA. So I called, the, I, I could call the, uh, the AA hotline. You could even Google AA in my area. And there's typically a um, hotline for each district or somebody is, you know, has a, a phone, they have the number routed to their phone. So they're available at all hours to call with questions. The, the important point uh, is, I would imagine that there, there's there there there's someone out there that's huge that's waiting to to talk to you that's that's that that's there to listen, um, and that all you need to do is just you just you just have to make the call. I thought it was a moral failing that that I that I didn't try hard enough. There is a lot of evidence now that this is. This is a disease, and I'm I'm happy to. I don't need to debate it. Like that, that just works for me to to think of this as a as a fatal disease. And if I don't take care of myself uh, by going to meetings, I'm I'm not taking my medicine. I'm not uh, you know taking this a day at a time and and treating my disease. That's 
some it's some people might might be able to look at it like that. It, it's just an easy way for me and a recognized way the medical community recognizes this as a, a treatable condition. Um, and I don't have to debate today what that looks like. It works for me to to, to use meetings as a platform. And and th again, there are other pathways other than twelve step programs for folks today. Well, I'll include some. Um, I'll, I'll, after the show, I'll have you. Uh, I'll have you uh, pull together a, a handful of resources for me Please. to share on my social media uh, feeds um, um, uh, for you know for folks to to click on to make it just a little bit easier for them to awesome. uh, yeah to to figure out um, the community resources uh, for them. Well, Astrid, uh, thank you so much for for agreeing to uh, to sit down. Yeah, what. Could I put a plug in for my race? Uh, oh, geez, uh, yes, please. Y yes, yes. Awesome. I, I, I mentioned yes. I mentioned earlier that you were that you were a race director. Um, <gasps> yes, uh, I, I got I got I got so caught up myself in the other the other two parts of what make you interesting um, that I totally forgot to ask about about uh, about your race. Yes, six hours on Lovers Lane. Yes, it's yes. in Chester where I live in Vermont. Please, please, please look please. at it on ultra sign up. I have a bunch of small local races here that I'm really proud of, but this is the one that this is, this is our jam here. And I, and I think I'll say it here first with you. I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a 12 hour option for this third year coming up in August. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm pleased that you mentioned that. Um, I'm going to have you back on the show to talk exclusively about uh race directing and, and more specifically about six hours on lover's lane so that's an that's an august event that event uh just happened a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. um and so let's plan to have you back on the show to do a preview show of six hours Whoa. of lover's lane the week before next year's race how about that we, would how be about, amazing how about how about we do that um and uh and and, and again for the listener um, wh where do they go to find out more information about, about your race six hours on lover's lane, <laughs> August, 2023. <laughs> well now six and 12, I don't know. You're, you're going to have to probably change the name, right? I know. Six I don't know what I'm going to do. Hours, six and 12. Uh, anyway, where <laughs> tons where, of time on lover's lane. <laughs> where do, where, where do people go to find more information about, uh, about the race that you direct? Facebook and ultra sign up. Okay. Six hours. Thank on you Lover's for that. Night. I appreciate Wait, that. I, 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 I feel negligent in not, in not, uh, in not mentioning it previously. Um, when when does online registration open up for the 2023 version of the event? Do you wait until after the first of the year to open registration? I do. Typically, it's in the in the spring. Hmm. And um, the the interesting, uh, I mean, there's any number of interesting uh, connections and ties to that race that you have. Um, you know, it's a it's an ultra distance uh, event that you direct. You're an ultra distance uh, athlete yourself. Um, but the totally race all for beginners. Like we we want folks to try this, which 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 I think. You know, ultra distance racing can be uh, it can be intimidating enough sometimes. These these. Uh, these distances. What I really like about timed events, though, uh, particularly timed events on looped courses, um, like most timed events, I, I, I guess, are um, that it is incredibly beginner friendly because there's no presumption that you need to run X number of miles. It's a 
it's a six hour clock. And you, if you go one mile or you go 30 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles, it's whatever you do in that, in that period of time. Right. Am I, am I characterizing that correctly? Nope. Guaranteed. No panic attacks. <laughs> <laughs> because there, be, right. Because there's no, there's no pressure. You just, right. You, you just, you just you eat a lot and run a little, or that's, maybe that's some variation of that. hundred percent. But 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 the other interesting connection, I think, uh, is that the the race uh, at least partially benefits the organization that you work for. Is that correct? correct? Yeah, Turning yeah. Point Recovery Center of Springfield, and uh, also for the rec department in Chester, where we live. They're really happy to have us come be crazy. Got it. So I'm going to have you back on the show so you can talk about that story about how you became a race director, because as a race director myself, I'm always interested and eager to hear stories about how people get roped into becoming race directors because it's, <laughs> it is a, it is a, it's a beast in unto itself. Sure um, is. So let's, so let's, let's plan to have a, a, a separate conversation about that. Um, Again, Astrid, thank you so much for uh, for being on the show. This was uh, this was an amazing amazing conversation. Thank you. Thanks for the reflection. Oh my gosh, I I got some uh, I got some thoughts. I love it. Some thinking to do. Thanks again, Astrid. It was such a pleasure. I'm so grateful to Astrid for agreeing to tell her story. We both feel like if her message of hope reaches just one person who's experiencing hopelessness in this moment, then we've done something positive through this conversation. And to reiterate, there is always someone out there to talk to if you feel like you're in crisis. Astrid asks me to remind everyone that the number 988 is active, and there will always be someone on the other end to talk to. Also, if you feel like you are ready to work on your addiction, Visit findtreatment.gov to find a treatment facility near you. Once again, you've been listening to the Eat Half Walk Double Podcast. If you're listening on Spotify and enjoyed what you heard, please circle back to the homepage and click the follow button in the upper left-hand corner. And of course, if you really enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your friends. I'll be posting some supporting media on my Twitter account at Coach Chris J. Dunn. So check that out. And lastly, remember, the secret to living well and longer is to eat half, walk double, laugh triple, and love without measure. Until next time.